Welcome to Sports Business Secrets. I'm your host, Kevin Tarka. This podcast is specifically designed to share secrets from experts in the sports business world to help you along your own path to success in this industry. Each episode is packed with lessons and insights that never expire. You'll hear from general managers of professional teams to CEOs of sports tech companies to agents, coaches, players, and everything in between. I invite you to join me in real time on my personal journey of representing players and coaches, traveling the world, and always finding a way to battle through obstacles in this competitive industry. Miles, welcome to Sports Business Secrets. Thank you, Kevin. Thank you for the invitation. Yeah, for sure. I'm excited to dive in here today. So whenever I have guests on, I, I like to try to reminisce the first time that we met. And for us, uh, I don't quote me, but I believe it was a Facebook message. It was right when I kind of got into the industry as an agent. And I, I kept seeing your name popping up everywhere. I'm like, this guy's all over Eurobasket. He's, he's, he must have the information. I got to connect with him. So yeah, that was, uh, what, seven, seven, eight years ago, which is crazy. And I know we've, uh, you know, we've kind of kept in touch a little bit ever since and, you know, saw you briefly in person there a couple months ago when I was in Germany, but, uh, finally great to have this conversation and share more about, you know, your life, your story and, and tell the audience what you do. Yeah. Thanks, Kevin. Um, yeah, I, I don't remember when we had that first contact, but probably like you just said over Facebook, but it was great meeting you uh, a couple months ago in Frankfurt at a game. And that's the great thing about uh, the basketball arenas. There's always that moment where you might meet that person that you have had contact with for years, but never seen face to face. And that was that moment that we had. And, and uh, I won't forget it. No doubt. No doubt. It's always a small world. Well, I'll give a brief little intro here for the audience who might not be familiar, and then I'll give you the stage. But uh, Miles is a, is a German-American. He was born in the States outside of Boston before going back to his roots and moving back to Germany. He's a, a legend in the basketball industry, like I mentioned, for uh, mostly known for his fantastic journalism um, around the game. But he's no rookie when it comes to broadcasting and play-by-play. He's done play-by-play for probably more German games than you can count uh, his, his announcing highlights include everything from cup games to BBL finals to international friendlies to U14 championship games and everything in between. He is the go-to guy for pregame reports and in-depth interviews uh, and really anything basketball in Germany. So I'm excited to, uh, as I mentioned, share his story with you today. So I know that didn't cover all of your uh, extensive career, but that was just a brief intro for for those who might not be familiar. Yeah, I mean, I've done a lot of things. Um, one thing you did forget, but you didn't know about it, just a big highlight. It was early in my career. Back in 2005, I had the honor of actually calling a, uh, uh, it was back then, it was called ULIP Cup, if you might have you ever heard of that. Now it's ah, yeah. live from Rome. I was actually I was actually over there on vacation for a couple of days. And it was just during the time where the, uh, then they were called the uh, Deutsche Bank Skyliners Frankfurt. were having a, a, a ULIP cup game against uh, Rome. And back then I was doing games over radio. So we, we actually had the radio feed and I actually called the game uh, from Rome, Italy. Um, and uh, yeah, it was, it was a great experience. Just, uh, you know, I, cause I usually just call games in Germany, you know, but to be able to, go abroad and, and call a game in Italy in the historic Rome was, was a big, big experience for me. It was, was awesome. I'll never forget. That's it. awesome. That's definitely a vacation. You won't forget. That's great. No, 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 definitely not. It was, uh, <laughs> it was just great, you know, visiting the sites during the day and then calling a game at night. I mean, it was awesome. That's great. So, so let's, let, let's rewind a little bit here and just kind of start from early, early in your life. I like to, you know, start, start from where sports came into your life. So obviously, as I mentioned, born, born in the States. So maybe talk a little bit about just growing up and, um, you know, getting involved with sports. Obviously, you know, you went to, you went to college in the States and we'll talk about that in a second too, but talk about the, your, your upbringing and obviously having the German roots, but being in the States and, and, and yeah, share with the audience a little bit about that. Yeah. So, I was I was born in the states, but my my parents are German, and they went over there. My my father went over there for work, and um, I was born there, and I, I pretty much grew up there. But I always came back to Germany uh, because I had all my relatives here. So Germany was never like a foreign place for me. I was always over here, but I did grow up in the states. I grew up in the Boston area, and I just I love sports from a from a very early um, age. But I have to say, basketball was not my first love. It was actually ice hockey 
I come from New England, so I mean, if you don't play hockey there, then something <laughs> definitely isn't going right. But um, I was big into hockey, but I always played basketball on the side. I was lucky to have friends at school um, that just loved sports like I did. And so I just tried to play all sports when, when I was when I was preteen. And basketball was definitely a game I did enjoy. And that obviously was helped also because I had was very lucky to um, be the neighbor of Dave Cowens, um, who is a two-time NBA champion, NBA Hall of Famer that played for the Boston Celtics in the 70s. And he was my neighbor. So um, just, you know, playing all our sports in the driveway with my friends and then having Dave Cowens uh, – coming down on his motorcycle and, and beeping and honking. Those were big moments in, in my early childhood, just being able to, uh, to, to see big, big time players like that. And um, so that was pretty much my childhood. Just grew up playing a lot of sports and um, hockey, uh, baseball, basketball, soccer, tennis. Those were my, my sports um, preteen. And that obviously, you know, my love for sports got bigger as, as I, as I got older. So, so the real question is, and I always like to ask my guests, uh, did you, like most of us growing up, okay, you're playing sports, was your dream to make it to uh, maybe the NHL in this case, because you like talking a little more, or the NBA at first, before you kind of, like all of us realize at some point in our life, you know, whether we make it to college or not to, to play the sport, you know, that path might not be for us. Of course, of course I wanted <laughs> to be a player, of course. I loved, I loved hockey. Uh the problem with basketball was I was very short. I mean, I was shorter than Muggsy Bogues. So, I mean, obviously not everyone can be Muggsy Bogues, but uh, no, I wanted to be a hockey player. Hockey was, was my everything. I, I, that was my number one sport. And I, I would, I would, I would think to say I was a very good player. Um, and um, later then I guess we'll get, when I get into high school and talk a little bit more about that. But um, of course I wanted to, be in be a pro player but then later obviously reality uh, came you know hit me and and that obviously wasn't possible but um yeah but I have to say at a very early age I must say already in in my early teens I had actually one of my goals what I wanted to be in life was was a sportscaster and it wasn't actually the play-by-play -play, even though I did enjoy watching basketball all the all the sports games uh, listening to to radio, I listened to Johnny Most, the legendary Celtics voice. Um, when I wasn't, when I had to go to sleep, I would listen to to him on the radio just to catch if Larry Bird and Co. Uh, won <laughs> the game. But uh, at a very early age, um, that was what I wanted. I wanted to be a sportscaster, you know, uh, being the sports guy for the local news and and you know doing the sports reports. That was actually my first love. The play by play actually came by by chance and that was very much later in my life when I was in Germany where that actually came so I guess we'll get back we'll get to that later but actually um sports broadcasting was was my was my first love that I actually wanted to pursue later in life that's great I mean not not a lot of people realize that early so so okay you're you're in your teen years your high school years and you kind of realize that now did that affect your your choice to what college you wanted to go to obviously you went to Emerson um, is that what right. you studied? Is that your main goal? Were you, you know, were you going in saying, Hey, I want to, I want to obviously get this education, but also maybe be around the basketball or hockey teams there. What, what was that transition like? Yeah, I wanted to, obviously when I got to college, I wanted to, uh, I wanted to go, I, I studied, um, media arts communications, but before I get into that, um, in high school, I went to Avon old farm school, one of the top hockey schools in the United States. And I was very lucky to be, um, a 10th grader when, when hockey future hockey hall of famer, Brian Leach was a senior. And my biggest moment there was actually, I actually was like with my friends, we're going to, we're going to go to varsity tryouts, you know, even though we knew we weren't going to make it, but we just wanted to be on the ice with Brian Leach. And uh, I, I went down once on him on a one-on-one -on -one and uh, I mean, he didn't even try and, you know, I had no chance against, it. but he didn't try, you know, but, that was my big moment and just that whole season just seeing how how you know how NHL scouts were there for every game and seeing how he dominated um high school hockey and the rest is history but I I, I pretty much noticed there that I would never be a be an NHL player and that's when then later I I focused on uh on you know 
getting into, you know, then later in, into communications and stuff. So when I went to Emerson, yeah, I pretty much, um, I pretty much wanted to, to get into the field. It's something with, with, uh, media sports casting. And, um, that was my goal then what I, what I wanted to do. And later via Germany, I actually went right to Germany after college. And, um, it took me a, a few years to get into the field because it wasn't so easy with the language, even though I did know German and everything, but still, you know, uh, getting into the, into the workforce uh, in Europe, you know, as an American, isn't always wasn't always so easy. And the first few years, I actually was uh, more working. I worked for some um, um, software companies that at that time in the early two thousands, when the when the web pages were all um, being, that's when that that era was. And uh, but I pretty much two thousand three is when I found found my calling and um, got my first job actually at AFN. Um, American Forces Network, the uh, the uh, station that pretty much services all the um, troops and families in Europe, and that's where I got my first radio job and where I started to um, report about basketball, about the Frankfurt Skyliners, and that's and one can say pretty much the rest is history. That's pretty much um, where I got my break, um, or I got my first job reporting about basketball, and then. I got to uh, begin calling games uh, on radio for the um, Skyliners Frankfurt in 2004-05 season. That's awesome. So a couple questions here before we jump into the German stuff. So for for, for Emerson, Emerson I, I'm not sure uh, how many of the audience listening right now knows, but Emerson is a basketball powerhouse in regards to um, – you know, the, the graduates that have gone through and are, are now in the NBA in front office positions. Now, have you ever been able to tap into that? I think it started around the time you were there, maybe a little bit after with the Sam Prestes of the world. Um, yep. But were you able to tap into that? Kevin, I have to tell you, I did not know that. I really, really did not. Oh. I, because Emerson, I, I, you know, I here and there you see, you know, like Jay Leno is an alumnus. That's pretty well known. Sigourney Weaver went there. Um, those are pretty much the two most famous. A lot of people from Boston media went there, but I did not really know that. It wasn't made aware to me, to tell you the truth. I did not know that. Maybe you can educate me. There you go. Well, yeah, I mean, it's it's just a, kind of known in the basketball circles. It's like Emerson, you know, uh, you know, Emerson alums. How, how did they get into the NBA? And it started, I, I believe, don't quote me that Sam was the first one, but Sam Presti, obviously GM of, of, of OKC, uh, was the first one. And then other players and coaches that were under him, actually. Uh, so I think his coach was Hank. Um, and then Joe Boylan's in there, Sean McCullion's in there, Rob Hennigan's in there. Yeah, so a lot of a lot of alums. So we might have to start connecting to the, uh, uh, you know, career services there and get you connected yeah. with some NBA offices. Thanks. Thanks for that info. I did not know that. That's very interesting to know because um... – I mean Emerson obviously in sports they're 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 not very well known but but that so many people uh, GMs and people in management um, went to Emerson I will definitely look into that that's very interesting thank you so we so we could say that you started the basketball tree from Emerson we'll say that you started it you started it abroad well at least at least I'm on the tree you know somewhat. <laughs> I love it. I love it. So, so let's transition to, to Germany. You obviously talked about, you know, getting into, uh, you know, AFN and, and starting your radio show. Um, was that was really the first time that basketball was talked about from a media perspective in English, correct? Like there wasn't much English, uh, a play-by-play radio show announcement interviews going on. Was there? Eurobasket came later. Basically, the first year, well, AFN was all was obviously all in English. And the, the funny thing about AFN was, at first, they didn't like me reporting about basketball because it had nothing to do with the meet with the military. They wanted everything that was news was what was happening in the military, and to report about the Frankfurt Pro team just wasn't really suitable. And but I got somehow, you know, I kept you know, pushing and plugging away and saying, come on, I want to report about this. They gave way and they let me do it. But um, that was that was not easy being able to do that. But obviously, I reported about other military um, things going on. But um, I did get 
to do uh, my basketball reporting, which was which was good. And that was in English. And then when I got the job with the Skyliners, that was all in German. I mean, nothing was in English. The Eurobasket writing that came 2008 is when I uh, began at Eurobasket. But everything before was all in German. So that was pretty much new for me because, you know, as an American. But I mean, I did know the language and, um, you know, I, I adjusted well to it. But those, you know, those first years, that was all German. And, you know, all my calling games is in German primarily. I have called games in English, but um, mostly it's it's in German because that's what you do in Germany. So, um, yeah, so the German language is is it's cool that, you know, I can say I'm a bilingual broadcaster because, like I said, I call the games in German, but I have had um, times when I did call, like I called the 14-15 um, Euro Challenge season for the Skyliners in English. You can still find those games on YouTube. And I also called the 15-16 Skyliners FIBA Europe Cup season on YouTube in English. Those games are all still available on YouTube. So that was a big experience for me to be able to call games in English, something I would always, always wanted to do, but had always been calling games in German. So if I ever get that opportunity, I jump for it just to be able to call games in my native language. I have to say English is my first language. Um, so that was a great experience being able to, to do that. For sure. Now, now, can I have you, let's take a pause here because I think one of the topics I like to, uh, to double down on the podcast is, is education. Um, and we talked about this a little bit in terms of, you know, there's obviously the ball stops bouncing at some point and you can get into sports and follow your passion and do something for a living that's, you know, involves sports, but some athletes that are listening or aspiring pros might not be aware what calling a game means or what color commenting means or what broadcast journalism means. So can you just take a couple of minutes and just maybe break down a little bit? Like, what does it mean when you say calling a game? What does it mean when you say, um, you know, you're, um, you're a, a color commenter for this game, or you, you know, you announce the ULEB game, like, what does that actually mean? What, what are your responsibilities when you do that? Yeah. I mean, I, I think I take it very serious. You know, preparation for me is the biggest thing. Like just about an hour before this, um, I was already prepping for the next game. I see the notes. Yeah, I see the notes already for this and for your other stuff. I love it. Yeah, I had a half hour free time because my son um, was uh, at a class and um, I just took that half hour to learn the uh, roster of, of Frankfurt's next opponent, uh, Bochum, just so um I won't have to like really have to do everything uh, on that day in the morning before the game. I want to already know that the roster pretty well, so I don't have to do so much on the game day. But for me, it's important. Uh, I think that's what separates me from a lot of the other commentators out there. I mean, I don't, I, I have to be honest, I don't watch enough basketball to be able to say, you know, I've, I've listened to every, every broadcaster out there because I haven't. So I don't know if everyone does it the way I do, but I mean, I try to, Obviously, um, I did I did radio for about for about eight nine years. So calling radio is obviously different than calling TV or, or internet, just because the people are that watch internet TV they see the game. Radio is a different thing. People aren't seeing the game, so you have to be more in depth about how you're calling the game. But TV is is, is easier. But still, you know, you want to bring the game to the people in a certain way um, that they can understand it. And um, for me, it's just really important that I have some kind of understanding of, of, of the teams of both teams, the players, and just try to bring little extra tidbits about players um, that you may not hear in other broadcasts. And I think I do that pretty well. And um, I think that helps a lot just because with Eurobasket, you know, I'm always, interviewing players I'm always writing articles um every day already so I have a lot of infos from that work that I bring into my broadcast and that's what I think separates me from a lot of the other people out there because I just have that background and knowledge and just having that connection with players it's just normal for me like like having a bagel in the morning or drinking coffee it's because I have I have that connection every day with players and for me, it's just important, you know, like I said, to, to, to bring those extra facts during a broadcast when I'm 
doing the play-by-play and trying to bring the game over as best I can to the viewer. And that's that's how I call games, and um, I enjoy doing it. And, and also a big focus is the excitement. I get a lot of critique from people that don't enjoy my enthusiasm for the game, but then again, I hear other people saying they love how I call games because I'm very emotional. Um, I get, I really get into it. And um, obviously everybody loves the buzzer beater. And I mean, I go wild for a buzzer beater or the game winner. And that's just how I've been calling games for my whole life. So, and nothing's going to change. Yeah. Well, I mean, in terms of the enthusiasm or how you call games, you, you, you can't please everyone. So if you're really, if you're super enthusiastic, some people might not like it. If you're the opposite, some people might not like it, but uh, you know, it's your world and and we're living in it. So you, you call the games that you, that, you know, the way that you see them. So, um, and I guess just to summarize your, your, your answer there or your thoughts is, you know, you differentiate yourself a lot and you make the broadcast, um, or play-by-play better by not just talking about exactly what's happening on the floor. Um, you know, the ball goes up the wing and then you enter it into the post, but you kind of bring your interview work, your your background research work about the players into the game uh, to describe not just what's happening on the floor, but maybe how the players are interacting or what happened before the game or after the game. Exactly. Exactly. I try to bring in as much background knowledge that I can and a lot of that has to do really with my preparation that I really I, I memorize the players I mean it's really difficult work because I well, you can't be in a broadcast and look down on your papers you have to so that's you know that's just not going to work you know so that's why I try to memorize as much as I can so when during the play-by-play I can say you know these little background tidbits about about the players and um yeah that's 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 very challenging for me, but so far it, it works. I'm, I'm always well prepared for every broadcast and I just try to do my best. So are you a stats guy or, or like, you know, oh, are you time. like, like, are you, are you, do you, uh, you know, are you one of the guys that's like, Hey, I remember this box score and how many points this player scored from seven years ago. No, I, I don't remember that. I mean, if you're going to ask Larry Bird about a certain play in game, in game five of the 87 series <laughs> against Detroit where he stole the ball, I'm sure he's still going to know those things because he's Larry Bird or even who knows, like a LeBron James. But um, I mean, yeah, I've seen a lot of games too. I mean, I've called more than 700 games in my career, but it's difficult. I mean, I have good memory, but to to mem- to, to remember something that happened like, seven years ago from a game is difficult. Those big moments, the buzzer beaters, I remember those, but just a normal game where a team won by 30 points. I remember a game, uh, Jacob Birchie from the Skyliners. He hit 10 threes in a game. I'll never forget that. I mean, those, those plays or those, you know, those big stat games from guys. I won't forget those. Like for this upcoming game this weekend, David Cohen, a graduate from William and Mary. He's one of only 10 guys from 1993 that's put up the magical um, 50, 40, 90 season in the NCAA. I mean, only 10 guys have done it since 93. That's obviously a stat I'm going to bring on Saturday um, in my telecast. So these are, these, these are the kind of things that I memorize for my telecast. Yeah, that's great. Um, so let's, let's keep talking about German basketball. Um, what uh maybe share with the audience a little bit obviously you've seen a ton of basketball not only have you called plays not only have you done interviews but you've just you 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 have watched a lot of basketball over the years so what what is um maybe you could talk a little bit about like the style of play um in in the bundesliga in particular and you know maybe from when you first started to the style of play now yeah obviously um the easy credit BBL is a top five league now in Europe. I mean, they've done a really good job in the last 10 to 13 years of really making this a top league. I mean, it was, you know, more than a decade ago. It just isn't where it is now. I mean, obviously the league has more money. The, the teams uh, have more money. They've done a great job, um, you know, bringing in big name players. Um, that was not, that was not seen as much more than a decade ago. I mean, if you look at FC Bayern Munich right now, I mean, they have, they have Ibaka on the team. I mean, Ibaka mm-hmm. played more than 10 years in the, in the NBA. I would, I would say he's probably one of the, the best names in Europe this season. I mean, 
ex NBA players that that came over. Um, so and um, yeah, from the style, I mean, obviously, um, team basketball—that's a big issue. I mean, you, you just—I mean, you can't compare anything that's overseas to the, to the NBA. I mean, that's just the NBA spectacular. It's all about the dunks. It's all about the one-on-one play, and um, but here in Europe, um, you know, it's more the team game. And um, every it's always funny. Every American that I talk to or interview that's come o- come over here for the first time, that has, you know that you know played maybe played in the NBA or, or came from the NCAA or wherever, they're always amazed how how different the game is and and just how unselfish the players are. And um, that's that's a big thing um, that you know that's that I like watching during the games and um, BBL. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a league that that is on the rise and it'll be interesting to see where it goes in the next years. I mean, um, it's, you know, it's making big strides. Um, if you see um, last season, Bond, Bond won the Basketball Champions League. Um, Ulm was the new BBL champion, which was a big surprise. So it isn't always the Alba Berlins and the FC Bayern Munichs that are winning the titles, but um, there are other teams that are, um, are making waves and, and um, having success in, in the league. Definitely. I mean, you, you see the standings now and Alba and, and Byron are, are not even the top four places. I don't think. All right. So you have, you have all these teams coming up. And there's another team with Chemnitz that are, are, yeah. are in the top position. And that's a team that's made huge strides. They were in the second league four or five years ago. And with Rodrigo Pastore, a great, great Spanish coach that really, is total totally under the radar. I mean, this guy is just totally faithful to to the club, and he should be coaching, you know, in a Euro Cup team somewhere. But he just he's he stays there, and he just has, you know, made big strides in that in that organization. You know, you know, making their way up up the ladder, and um, unbelievable how how well they're playing. I mean, they have a, they have a talented roster, but on paper, I would never see them as a as a number one team at the moment. So um, a lot of respect to that organization. Right. And, and we didn't even talk about, obviously, you know, seeing the success lately at the FIBA World Cup championships, um, you know, this 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 past summer. So and and a lot of that, I think, have to do with, um, you know, some of the some of the youth talent development in in the country from, you know, the past 10 years. And obviously someone that watches a ton of basketball, not just not just BBL, not just pro A, pro B, but. Um, you know, regional league and even some of the younger, um, you know, U14, U16 teams, you've yeah. seen the, 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 the youth structure over the years. So talk a little bit about that, about how, because I think, you know, Germany's one of the, from my perspective, one of the few countries that does a great job of, of developing their young talent, keeping their young talent. And then you see the farm system teams that kind of are able to move that talent up. So from your perspective, talk a little bit about the youth structure and the development you've seen from some of the players from when they were young to you've even seen guys go all the way to the NBA, right? So what, what do you think makes German talent development good? Well, they've obviously the, um, the structure has gotten a lot better. I mean, if you look, if you just look at, at the guys that are in the NBA now, that's six guys. I'm not going to name them now, but, um, obviously they came through the youth ranks and, um, the org- organizations, uh, the clubs have obviously um, invested a lot of time and money into, you know, making the structures of, of the organization better. And just um, just like, I don't know exactly when it was, but it's been more than a decade ago in Germany. They, they created the, the, the uh, under 16 and under 19 leagues. And, um, you know, every organization not every organization but most organizations in germany have that structure of of having um youth players and just you know putting money into you know having you know enough coaches that will be there and and just you know having letting the the, the players have the time to to develop plus important is as they're you know going into the under 19 teams to be able to practice with their pro teams if it's a bbl a pro A or a pro B team and then giving the minutes or letting them, you know, at a young age play even Regionalliga. Regionalliga is the fourth league, but I mean, those are all men pretty much playing in that league. And you'll see 15 year olds, 16 year olds 
playing at that level against, you know, guys that are 10 years as old. So if you have the, um, the opportunity to play with men and people older, way older than, than you are at 15, 16, 17, that's definitely, it prepares you, you know, the physicality. And that's something, um, that, you know, has, has happened, you know, in Germany and, but still, I mean, the German, Germany isn't even, you know, aren't winning any gold medals at the youth stage. I mean, they've won some bronze medals at the, at the under 20, a couple of years ago. Um, and now last summer, the under 18, um, they won a bronze. Um, there's still countries that are better. Spain is one. I'm, I'm not an expert on the other countries, but Spain is, a, is very talented. They, but I think all of it, a lot has to do also with, with, with the money and, and what countries can put into it. And in Spain, you still see, you know, I mean, when you can't, one thing I forgot in Germany, I mean, basketball, it's not the number one sport. It's soccer here. Mm-hmm. I mean, soccer mm-hmm. is number one. But still, the interest in basketball has been growing even way before the World Cup win. But I mean, if you look at a small country like Slovenia or even Serbia, I mean, those countries, that number one is basketball there. Every kid mm-hmm. wants to play basketball there. Basketball is still, you know, in Germany, way, way behind soccer. I mean, you have basketball, ice hockey, handball. Those are like the three main sports after soccer. But they are way behind soccer. Soccer is the number one sport here. So, I mean, for the interest that there is for basketball, you can give a lot of respect for how, you know, German uh, youth teams have been doing in the last decade. I mean, it's been getting better. There's more interest. Teams are putting more money into the youth structure, and it's getting better. And quick, quick thing about the uh, World Cup win. Um, you can't forget that in 2019, the World Cup team was a disaster in Asia. Germany had pretty much everybody there, and um, they made a huge jump in the last few years. A lot of that has to do with Gordon Herbert. I have to give a big shout-out to Gordon Herbert, um, who I covered for more than 10 years because he was coach for the Frankfurt Skyliners. I know him really well. And when he when they signed him some years ago as national team coach, it is no surprise the success that they've had because he is a big, big reason why Germany was World Cup champion because he was able to mesh all those um, characters um, and their games and they played together and Dennis Schroeder had no ego and um, just amazing what they did. And um, big, big shout out to, to Gordon Herbert for his, his work. Yeah, that's a great point. And, and I was actually out in, uh, in Manila and Jakarta for the world cup. So I was able to see some of those games live. Um, and uh, yeah, it's, I don't remember the, the fact exactly that I, re- that, that, that I uh, mentioned when I was out there, but it's something along the lines of the top eight teams this year, maybe it was a top, Four top eight or top four teams this year were out in the first round or not even in the World Cup in 2019, right? Which yeah. is crazy. Yeah. Um, and uh, and then just uh, just to double down on something you said about the youth structure. So um, one thing that I love about the German youth structure that I think definitely helps uh, develop talent is that farm system team. So you have the the Regan Liga teams or the Pro B teams that do have that partnership with the Pro. BBL teams, right? And you have the the young kids or the or the the young pros that are able to play and practice every day with a top level um, team, and that gets them so much better. I had a you know I sent one of my clients Ryan Quaid to Vecta a few years ago because of that reason. You know, like maybe it was a little bit lower in Regan Liga than he could have played, but the opportunity to play with that you know yeah. that big time Vecta team and those players that are big time pros helped him right. develop as a player too. So just wanted to point right. that out. So exactly. um, r- wrapping up the youth, uh, the, the, yeah. the German youth uh, topic, who are some guys maybe that you can share to keep an eye on? I know you've mentioned a couple to me the you know, the, the past months, but is there a guy or two that you're just um, impressed with that, you know, maybe not many people are aware of, and we don't want to give away too many secrets here. I might want to keep some of those for myself, but uh, a couple of youth German prospects that people should be aware of. Um, yeah, um, well, one guy I'm really, really adore is, uh, Ivan Karchenkov plays for FC Bayern München. And I came upon him two years ago when he was, 
um, 15. And um, I have a connection to him because his half-brother, um, Nikita Karchenkov, is a guy that's been, you know, around more than 20 years, a pro. And um, I, I know him personally. And it was just great um, connecting with him. And, and then when I found out that, you know, he was related to Ivan. And Ivan, you know, he was... Um, unbelievable um how talented he is was already at 15 um he scored 16 points in his first pro b game at age 15 he, he had just turned 15 this uh last preseason with fc Bayern München, he was scoring in double figures against euroleague teams because um, a lot of the guys were still with their world cup team so he he got minutes from pablo lazo and he's just made an incredible development um he's for some reason he's still off the radar for many he's he hasn't been he hasn't been on any nba mock drafts which has surprised me a bit um i don't know what the problem is there but um he's a big talent and um another guy in fechter the big man johan grunlow um he definitely isn't off he's very well known um and i've been following him for the last years um how how he has developed uh in fechter the the shot block monster um Big time defender and um, um, still not there where he could, you know, he still, you know, has um, sky's the limit on offense. I mean, it's scary that, you know, he's he can still, you know, grow, grow, grow in that aspect. So those two guys are two guys that I'm following pretty closely. And another guy just to mention that is on the NBA mock draft boards now is Tristan Da Silva, the younger brother of Oscar. Oscar is at FC Barcelona and Tristan is um at I think Colorado State or Colorado and having a great Colorado. and yeah that guy um I saw him you know uh, three years ago was one of the last games I called before Corona in March 2020 and I remember watching him play in uh, Frankfurt and yeah it was just oh yeah that's Tristan da Silva the younger brother of Oscar now three years later he's uh yeah he's made great development and um probably will be drafted. So those are three guys that I'm keeping an eye on, uh, De Silva, Karchenkov, and Grunlo. Good to know. Yeah, noted here and for those who are listening, and if you're not on if they're not on NBA draft boards, you heard it from Miles first. There you go. All right. I, I want to switch switch topics here a little bit um, and talk about a topic that's obviously near and dear to your heart about battling through adversity. Um, so, so some people who are listening might know, some might not. But during COVID, you faced a battle that was, uh, um, you know, uh, obviously a tough one, you know, and, and, and cancer has affected us all here, um, you know, some way or another with family members over the years. Um, but you had to battle cancer yourself. So can you share a little bit about what that, uh, you know, what going through that adversity was like? Yeah, it was tough. I mean, it was a shock. I mean, you, uh, you're in the hospital and then the doctor comes and says, you know, you have cancer, you know, and the first thing was just disbelief. It was just like, you know, I mean, I'm 54 years old, but I mean, for me, I've always been a kid at heart, you know, I always feel like I'm 25 and you know, something like that. I just, you just don't think it's going to come. You just don't think it's going to happen. I'm my whole life now. Once you have cancer, you know, you take, you take life. You look at life a lot differently. And and you know, now looking back, I, how often did I hear stories about people getting cancer? And it went in one ear and out the other. You know, it's just like cancer. Okay, you know, I just never thought I would get it. I just, you know, it's just, it's just my mentality. You know, you just, you feel strong and you just kind of. You know, you, you hear the stories, but, you know, I just didn't never really thought about it. But then once you had it, you know, you, you, you go through, you know, you go through adversity and you just you then, you know, OK, this this can happen to anybody. And, you know, it was eight tough months. Uh, I had two surgeries. Um, I had I had cancer in two areas in my body. And thank God it was removed. I only had about three months of. Um, of. Uh, chemotherapy um i didn't lose my hair and i just the biggest thing for me during that time was just staying positive you know i mean i just you know basketball and my family pretty much saved my life during that time i didn't sit in the corner and just like you know cry or or just mope about you know how tough everything was um i 
I kept working, you know, I, I, st- I stayed busy with basketball and called games as well as I could. Even two days after chemotherapy, I called games, even though I was feeling not hundred percent, but I just had to stay busy. And, um, I just learned to appreciate life more and just to, um, um, just to know that, you know, um, just stay positive, you know, I mean, I had, I got cancer and I just fought through it as best as I could. And, um, just staying positive was, was the big thing for me, you know, and just trying to, to think of the good moments in life and just, you know, think about, you know, just fighting through it and, and just doing the best I could. And after that second surgery, you know, um, you know, the recovery was, was tough because, you know, they, they cut open my stomach twice and, um, I had some serious um, pain, but I got through it. And after that, um, I was at in about my second surgery was in May 2021. And then I was as good as new in August and um, life went on again. Cancer was behind me. And I'm glad to say I've been cancer free for two years now. And I have uh, uh, two checkups per year. And uh, I hope that every next one will go well and that I will get the good news of your cancer didn't come back to you and um, so I'm just really really blessed that I got through this I know so many people um, get cancer and don't get through it and I'm just really blessed that I did get through it and um, you know and just and you know cherish life every every day as, as best as I can that's all I can say really Powerful, man. Yeah, I remember I remember some of your posts and just thinking, you know, obviously when you hear someone that, you know, that, that has cancer, it's like, you know, it just brings perspective, like you mentioned. But I just remember um all of your posts were just so positive and powerful. And it was uh I mean, I was I was uh yeah, I was moved by it. And and obviously we're you know, we're we're all happy that you're uh on you know, that cancer's behind you and you're cancer free. Um, but yeah, I just uh, you know, for me it was for you to have that much positivity and vulnerability to, to share what you were going through. Um, I mean, I think it just speaks to the power, quite literally the power of positivity and, you know, helping you get through it. Thanks, Kevin. I appreciate the words. So continuing the positivity uh, let's, let's move on to the next positive and awesome project you're working on because you have a new book coming out, which is not out yet, correct? Or, or is it out? Oh, it's not out yet. No, I'm hoping. Not yet. For- the spring uh 2024 awesome so so you have a new book coming out let's uh as much of a sneak peek as you're allowed to give give a little bit of a sneak peek about what your book's about uh to the audience uh, maybe what some readers can expect to learn uh yeah and then we'll go from there um yeah it's basically it's uh, called the real basketball deal um not has really nothing to do about uh what what you're doing about signing that next player for for a team um, it's just basically, you know, a look back um, on my 20 year career in basketball in Europe. And um, it's just basically, um, to be honest, not not so much to really learn about. It's just it's just me telling about what I've experienced and I've experienced a lot. Um, it has more than 100 chapters, 100 stories about, yeah, about things that happened to me, um, about with players and and stories. And um, just to look back, I think it's just it's just interesting reading and of course people get a look at, at, you know, what I've seen in 20 years and um, yeah, what I've, what I've gone through. And um, it's just, it's just good reading and, and interesting and funny stories. Um, I had some, you know, some positive experience, some negative experiences and um, it's all in the book. And um, yeah, I mean, if I, if, if I just don't, a little bit more in some of the guys um, that are featured Isaac Bonga, Isaiah Hartenstein, Larry Brown the legend um, I have a funny story with Luca Dantage from before he was in the NBA my 30 seconds with Luca Dantage um, then the late uh, rest in peace Tyler Honeycutt, John Luer Justin Cobbs, Jordan Theodore uh, just to mention a few and then just uh, some of the um, other chapters um, that I have, I'll mention some of the uh, uh, the names. Um, basketball doubleheader, Boston Celtics around the block, 
uh, buzzer beaters, chip on the shoulder. Excuse me, are you a player? Um, then I have professor of basketball preparation, walking encyclopedia, and nicknames. Those are some of the names of my chapters. I love it. I think, I mean, all those seem intriguing, but excuse me, are you a player is the one I'm most looking forward to reading. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like I said, those are just some, I have some other funny um, names to the chapters. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm sure it'll, it'll be a, a, a an interesting read for, for anyone that, that enjoys basketball. So I'm looking forward to bringing it, bringing it soon. Well, I'm I'm looking forward to, to to buying my copy as well. And once it comes out, we'll be sure to you know make make sure we put the the link in the caption and all that stuff and get it out to the audience. Um, as we wrap up here, uh, you know, I, I know we talked about education a lot, and and one of the one of the biggest reasons I started the podcast was really just to educate and and um, you know share more about the sports business world. And you know, obviously, you talked about what it's like to be a journalist, a broadcaster, play by play. Uh, but if there's one piece of advice you can give to aspiring um, uh, basketball journalists or anybody that wants to get into your field, uh, what what is that piece of advice to get started? Um, yeah, I mean, obviously, a lot has changed in, in 20 years. I mean, I think um, really important, I mean, in in to get into the business or, or to be good in the business, I think you just have to love what you're doing I think if you you know if you don't have really have that passion I really don't think um that that's that's what's at least what's important for me I mean I think I mean to get into the into the field at least here in in Europe I mean obviously um I think a lot is changing um especially with writing um with um just that you know everything is is now online and and so but I mean I I will always stick to my roots and I will write as long as I can and, and, and people still read my things, but obviously it's not as, as uh, I mean, the, the uh, reading, I mean, you see it like the, what's been happening with newspaper and magazines with the internet and everything. But um, I mean, if you like to write, I mean, I think, you know, just important is just to, to have that passion for what you do, because I, I think, uh, you know, there's just a lot of people out there that, I mean, obviously, just you know with 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 um with what's you know with 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 internet and and what's out there and and a lot of people are just doing things just for the clickbaits and just for popularity i'm not really that's not really my corner i just do it just because i love it and you know if if it doesn't if if i don't have uh, you know if i don't have a hundred thousand followers i mean so be it you know i just do it because i love it and i'm not gonna do something because I'm going to, you know, hopefully get, you know, 30,000 likes or whatever, but um, that's not important to me. You know, I just, I just do it for the love and, and we'll keep doing it as long as, as I can. And um, just, um, yeah, that's my love is there for basketball. I think anyone that knows me sees that and um, that's what's most important for me. And I think if you want to be successful and and I think it's just important that you also really, really enjoy what you do, but just doing it kind of half-hearted, I think that's just won't bring any good to the to you and, and to the people out there that want to read or whatever, listen to your whatever you're doing. Yeah, it's great advice. And and that's why I think you're one of the best. It shows in your work. You you obviously have a passion for what you do, but you, you know, you're there's always room for telling good stories. And if you prepare enough and if you actually enjoy it, you'll 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 find the good stories and people will read your work. And obviously, like I said, it shows shows in your work. One of the best out there. So thank you, Kevin. Uh for sure. So the last thing I have for my guests is what I call a sports business lightning round. I didn't prepare you for this. I just gotta fire some questions at you and okay. you gotta hit me with the first thing. First thing that comes to your mind. Okay. All right. Oh. What's your favorite color? Blue. Do you prefer coffee or tea? Coffee. Pizza or pasta? Pasta. Would you rather be able to speak to all animals or speak four languages fluently? Speak uh, to all animals. <laughs> What's one of your favorite countries outside the one you're in or your own? which I know you consider too. Argentina is my, is my big love. I've been there 17 times in my life. 
unfortunately the last time was 2007 haven't been haven't been able to get back there but uh big love i have a lot of friends down there and buenos Aires is, is one of the greatest cities in the world wow that's amazing i have not been there and it's on my list 17 times that's awesome what is one of your biggest strengths my biggest strength um i think uh preparation who is one of the first people to really believe in you First people to believe in me, oh, um, I think um, that's that's a tough question. Oh, I think you baffled me. Who who? That that's that's a tough one. Um, I mean, if I had to if I had to mention one guy who got me into the business, uh, uh, the the press speaker of the Skyliners back in two thousand four five, Mark Rabitsky. He pretty much uh, gave me the job to call games for the Skyliner. So a big shout out to him. That's awesome. What is one of your biggest fears? Biggest fears right now? Um, war. If you could have dinner and drinks with anyone in the world, dead or alive, who's one of the first people that comes to your mind? First people that comes to mind. Oh, you got me. Ah, oh, that's tough. Uh, it's a tough one. Okay, um, uh, Boris Becker. And last one here, if you could turn back time and talk to 18-year-old Miles, what would you tell him? 18-year-old Miles, uh, yeah, to be honest, um, do go the path you went. It, was, it took a long while until uh, I got into the business, but better late than never. Love it. Love it. Short and sweet, man. That was awesome. Well, look, Miles, I appreciate you coming on today. Obviously I learned a lot. I have a whole page of notes here. Um, I know the audience is going to learn a lot. I, I love sharing your, your, your journey, your story. You do amazing work and I'm, uh, I'm looking forward to the next game that, uh, that we hang out at. Hopefully it won't be uh, out of the blue. We, we'll plan it first this time and we'll, uh, we'll, we'll have a coffee beforehand. Thank you so much, Kevin, for inviting me. And maybe next time we can meet in the States. For sure. Yes, definitely. Thanks, Miles. Thank you, Kev. Take care. Thanks again for listening, my friends. If you enjoyed the episode or if it brought you any value at all, it would mean the world to me if you could give it a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts. If you share it on social media, make sure you tag me at Kevin Tarka. If there are any topics that you want me to dive into or any guests you'd love for me to have on the show, just shoot me a message and I will do my best to make it happen. Have an amazing day and hope to see you back here soon.